The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and not of DOD or any of its components. Take me to the countryside. And we're on. Okay, so uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rising Sun Podcast with Dean Howell. Uh, I am thrilled about the guest that we have on today, um, David Carter, uh, a, a close friend and, and, quite frankly, one of the people that I, I look up to the most um, as, a, as a mentor. Uh, he was my command master chief when I was on the Navy Region Hawaii staff. Uh, he went on to be uh, the information warfare uh, Force Master Chief uh, before retiring after 34 years of um, of uh, honorable service in the United States Navy. Um, David, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. Um, I know you checked out some of the podcasts before, so they can get a little wild. Um, it's it's uh, about almost nine o'clock in the morning here in Japan, uh, so I will not be having any adult beverages, unfortunately. Um, but I'm glad that you are, man. So. Well, it's uh, seven o'clock here, Central Time in Tennessee. So, yeah, w- what else do you do in Tennessee? But drink Tennessee whiskey and have a, a fine stogie. So, I love it, yeah. man. Dude, I just you, uh, again, I just hey, bro, thank, I just want to say it's an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You know, I've been watching you grow and do some fantastic things. I'm very proud of what you are doing and what you're going to do. Uh, it's, it, I, I consider it an honor to be, you know, play, have played a, maybe a small part in that. Um, and I, I, I'm just brother, so proud of you and uh, looking forward to seeing what else you're going to do, but thanks for inviting me and, uh, looking yeah. forward to having some fun. Awesome, David. Yeah. I, I appreciate all of that, man. And, and, uh, you know, before we, we hit record, we were kind of talking about the things that I've been able to do here in Masala with, yeah. with joint bilateral, um, you know, activities with our Japanese counterparts and also with the Air Force. Masao is this very special place in the Navy. It's not a joint base, but it's probably actually better than a joint base in the sense that like uh, we all we all still have our our own responsibilities. And in any case, uh, and and, and like I was telling you before we got started, man, uh, I was watching closely and appreciate all of the mentorship that you gave me when we were at Joint Base Barbara Hickam together. The way that you were intentional about uh, growing those relationships, those joint relationships there in Hawaii. Um, like I said, man, I was taking notes. And when I came to Misawa, um, I, I took a lot of that experience and, and the things that you showed me would be successful and put them into effect these last two years here in Misawa. And it's just been fantastic. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't thank you enough, man. You bet, brother. It's all about relationships and, 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 and not transactional relationships, but transformational relationships uh, and, and what they become. And you know, I've been watching you from afar and uh, just very impressed with how you're doing that. And um, the goodness shows, you know, you got great things going on there. Um, fantastic stuff, man. Awesome. So let, let me just get a couple of admin things out of the way. First of all, hey, bro. for the listeners, uh, you're probably going to hear some fucking birds chirping. Um, I, I've talked about this in the last couple episodes. So I'm watching a friend's birds while he's on leave in the States. Um, I thought it would be nice to to have some company. I fucking hate them. Like, really, I, I hate them. I hate them. I can't wait until until they're gone. Um, 
And so uh, during the podcast, you're going to hear them going crazy over there. Uh, it is it is what it is. But uh, so sorry if that's distracting for the for the audience. But um, <laughs> it is what it is. I was trying to do a solid for a friend and fuck these birds. So, um, <laughs> but um, so David, as we get started, man, um, I, I know a lot of this stuff, but you know, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll you know we'll we'll yeah yeah go into topics. We'll stuff over, bro. Yeah, we'll go into topics that are really for uh, for the the viewers. So, if, if you could, if you can kind of tell us, you know, David Carter's origin story, like where you're from, how'd you grow up, um, and then you know how how did you get to where you're at now with that fantastic fucking goatee? Right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, well, it it all kind of started in uh, New England, kind of. Uh, that's my family heritage. You know, my dad's side of the family is from Maine. Actually, you know, we trace our lineage back to the settlers of Maine, uh, which came directly from Scotland and Ireland. So you know, I got a lot of Celtic blood in, in, in my soul. Um, my mom's side of the family is from Massachusetts. They've been there a very long time. I'm a descendant of um, uh, General Putnam, who, who fought in the uh, uh, Revolutionary War. Uh, so I got a lot of roots there. Uh, the interesting twist to it is I was born in Southern California. <laughs> uh, the black sheep of the family. Uh, I'm the only one in the family who wasn't born in New England. My dad, obviously from Maine. My mom, my brother, my two sisters, all born in Marlboro, Massachusetts. David was born in California. That's probably why I'm the strange one of the family. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, grew up on Cape Cod predominantly in Massachusetts and uh, moved to Florida when I was 14. My dad was in uh, residential construction. Uh, this would have been the late 70s. So uh, business was really kind of bad up in New England at that time. And he saw the boom going on in Florida and kind of jumped on that ahead of time. So moved to Florida when I was 14, went to high school there in Vero Beach, Florida, which is uh, South Central, oh, uh, kind of in between Lauderdale and Daytona. Yeah, a uh, nice, nice place, more retirement than anything, but nice town. Also a place I never desired to live in again, but anyway, it's a good place to visit. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> I digress. Anyway, um, but uh, I knew from about the age 11 that I was going to join the military. Um, it just kind of was in me. Um, my dad was Navy uh, before he met my mom. So it's not something that I grew up with or. He didn't talk about it a lot. Uh, he, he just served uh, in the late 50s uh, on a destroyer and an aircraft carrier, I think. He was a, back then he was an RD, if you're, if you're not familiar with that. It's kind of a combination of um, OS and ET. Um, so an RD is an operator who actually fixes their equipment, a radar man. Um, and he parlayed that uh, training into electronics, which he did initially when he left the, uh, the Navy. Um, and hence why I was born in California, because he was a contractor for NASA at the time and was transferred out to California from Massachusetts to work on the Saturn and Mercury series launches. I can't remember which. I was born out there. Then on the way back to Massachusetts, uh, 10 months later, mom was pregnant with my sister, Amy. Um, so anyway, I always kind of had this desire to serve in, in the military. Um, and that 
flipped a little bit from Air Force to Navy. I was in Air Force ROTC in high school. Uh, but being a child of the 80s, um, recreational, pharmaceutical <laughs> experiments um, got me disqualified from the Air Force. And the Navy's <laughs> like, we got a waiver for you. Because I had a ASVAB of like 96. Yeah. So they were like, come on. You know. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but unfortunately, yeah, it worked out very well. The Navy gave me exactly what I wanted. I wanted to work in computers. The Air Force wanted to make me an integrated avionics specialist, which is basically a box puller. You know, I hate hot weather. Air Force wanted to send me to San Antonio in August. Um, uh, the Navy sent me to San Diego in October. <laughs> Winning. Uh, so, um, so I joined the Navy and uh, originally started out as a computer specialist, uh, what we call the data systems technician back then. Uh, served in the traditional roles. I, my first ship was a cruiser um, and then kind of branched out to some other stuff, did some special projects. Um, and around, uh, it was in the 98, I think, they just established a DS rating. I became an ET or an electronics technician, but still working computers at that, uh, kind of progressed up into like classified networks. Yeah. Um, standard stuff mm. and uh then i went to work in the special warfare community for a while which i absolutely loved had a great time did some cool things stuff i still can't talk about today but it was a you know awesome time uh but i knew i, I wanted to do bigger and better things so i, I left the special warfare community went back to uh, see an aircraft carrier as a senior chief and then went into the command program and then was a command senior enlisted leader for 14 years um did a total of six command tours uh, to include an aircraft carrier, uh, Naval Station Norfolk, uh, the world's largest naval station, a Navy region, Hawaii, and I finished my career as the Force Master Chief for Information Warfare, where uh, I worked for a three-star admiral, and we were responsible for the roughly 56,000 sailors in the information warfare community. Yeah. So had a great time in the Navy, very good to me and my family. Uh, both my boys are serving in the Navy today. Uh, one's an officer, a naval aviator, uh, NFO and E2Ds, uh, and my younger is uh, a fire controlman, or he works on um, radar and weapon systems. He's a tech, uh, NATO Sea Sparrow tech by trade. Uh, he's currently deployed in the uh, on an aircraft carrier in the Mediterranean, uh, and just picked up E5 a couple months ago uh, with less than three years in the Navy. So very proud of him. Uh, and you know, I retired. Terry and I moved down here to Tennessee. And I currently work for uh, a VA specialty mortgage company as their national director of education. So I get to go out and teach vets and service members about their VA home benefits and, and help them uh, get a home of their own and realize that American dream of home ownership. So life is good. Absolutely, man. That's, that's uh, you know, it's fantastic uh, career. Um, you know, again, we've, we've talked about a, a lot of this stuff like, um, you know, you came in as a command senior chief when you were still a rated, you, you were still rated as an ETCS, right? Before we right. I was, I was the third uh, year group of command senior chiefs. Um, and yes, but I, I made nine. I found out I made nine while I was in the CMC cop course. So I actually went to my first command as a frock ETCM. Yeah. But, but I was ETCM serving in a command billet. And in the, at that time, they didn't really know what they were going to do with us. Uh, um, they hadn't figured that part out yet. But when I started, just before I started getting paid, they just decided, well, we're just going to fleet you up. So uh, I was a, 
I was technically an ETCM for about 15 seconds. Yeah. Uh, paid ETCM, should I say, because I was a uh, frock for like 18 months. Uh, I was number seven of seven on the nine list year that, that year, but it's okay because it's better be, than being number one the, the next year, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was right at the 20-year point, and uh, my first time up for nine, so I was like, great. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I'm number seven. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I was still, uh, you know, it was kind of confusing for a while because I was the command master chief, a 95-78 uh, at the time, I think it was, but a um, an ETCM. And then I, as soon as the... I started getting paid. My my actual title was upgrading the system. I became a CMDCM. Right. Okay. That's awesome, man. Um, so you, you kind of talked about your family a little bit. Um, it was good seeing Terry. We 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 talked a little bit before the podcast. <laughs> she was saying, "What they were recording me? Oh, my hair looks awful. I was wearing a t-shirt." I was like, "Don't worry, he's gonna cut that out." It's, it'll yeah. Be don't right. worry. That's not going on the podcast. Not for public consumption. This <laughs> one is for public consumption. That, yeah. Not so much, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, tell, tell me about you and Terry. Like, how, how did you guys meet? And Oh, wow. Yeah. You know? Well, um, I, I say we met the right way. We met in church. Oh. Um, you know, probably why we've been married 32 years now. I was just over. Um but um, we met in, well, I was stationed in Norfolk. I was on USS Virginia. Actually, it was, uh, I want to say late February. I had just gotten back from a ref tray. I don't know if you remember that name or not, but refresher training. Uh, we, we used to still do it down at Gitmo. Uh -huh. uh, uh, so uh, we had come back from that. I had just earned my service warfare qualification as an E4. Um, uh, and I also, I just met a new guy. He just checked in, a guy named Brad Garrett, who I'm still friends with today. Um, and he was an ET. And there was a snowstorm, I think, when we got back. So we got stuck on the ship for a couple of days. I had an extra duty day or something like that. But we just said, hey, let's go and get something to eat. So we went to uh, the Ponderosa in Virginia Beach, so what used to be in Virginia Beach, Independence Boulevard. Right Back then, I, I used to be known as uh, the all-you-can-eat buffet king. Which is not necessarily a moniker that I am proud of, but um, okay, there's worse things to be known for. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Brad and I were sitting down. And I saw this young lady come in with her parents. Uh, it was a, yeah, it was a Saturday, and she's wearing this blue sock kind of dress, form fitting. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> and she hears me say this. She's probably like, oh, don't say that. But I so I kind of saw her from behind. I was like, righteous. Okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, they came to, and they sat in the, the, the booth over from ours. So uh, her parents back, their backs were to me, and she was facing me. And every time I looked up, she was making eyes at me. Now, she won't admit this, but she was flirting hard. Right? <laughs> uh, she, 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 well, she's a good Southern girl, so she's like, I was not flirting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but so we went through our meals, and you know, we finished up. She left, or I left. I I don't remember what, but it was like, oh well, it's nice to make eyes with a girl, right? Because yeah. I was, trust me, I was no great catch. Okay, so I was, uh, yeah, it's not like I had women pounding at my door. You know, so, um, so the next day, Brad and I decided to go to church. Uh, and the church I'd been going to uh, down in Virginia Beach, I think it used to be called First Assembly back then. 
great church, very lively, uh, very you know, growing very rapidly. It's known as the Wave Church today, huge church, part of an international kind of thing. Uh, Pastor Steve Kelly, and uh, we went to the what they call TNT, which is basically kind of a singles group, twenties and thirties TNT, twenties and thirties. And I walked in, and there's Terry sitting in the front row. I'm like, hmm. so I'm, I'm looking over Brad. I'm like, hey, Brad, Brad, walk, walk. And uh, sure enough, yeah, there she was. And I don't know if we start we conversed before or after, but I, I went up to her and asked her how her lunch was. That you know, started a conversation. Um, and come to find out, we had been in the same group for months. We just never connected it was it, like it's almost like god had put blinders up between us it wasn't until the right time kind of thing and uh yeah we chatted um i don't know if we went out with a group of people to lunch that day or not uh come to find out her dad is, is it was in the navy at the time he was still in active duty he was a ds as well um which is like oh small world right and i knew within about two weeks that i was going to marry her Wow. Uh, and, and she'll tell the story of I was driving her home from church one day or something like that and just kind of looked over and said, you know, I'm going to marry you someday. And she kind of weirded out by it. And she was like, Ooh, is it? <laughs> what's up with this dude? But uh, it grew on her, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we didn't get engaged until oh, it was a while later. Because uh, we got we, we had been dating 18 months when we got married uh, uh, down in Virginia Beach at uh, um, Damneck, which uh, now called uh, Oceana Naval Air Station Oceana Damneck Annex. And um, it's been an interesting ride ever since. I mean, uh, she's my partner in crime. She's been a great Navy wife, very supportive of my career. Um, you know, when I go out and teach the, the classes that I teach on uh, VA home loan benefits, um, I have a kind of intro side where I talk about my career just to make connection with the crowd, especially with vets, because you know as well as I do when you know someone comes out to give you a presentation about your benefits or your service, especially someone who looks like me with a big beard and everything and going, all right, who's this dude? Why is he talking to me about my benefits? Right. You kind of want to make that vet connection, right? Right. And I always talk about military spouses and how important they are, because they are. You know, we don't get to do what we do without the support uh, on the home front. And I know I wouldn't be where I'm at today without her and her love and support. Uh, so I always make it a point to point out, that, hey, this is my best friend, my partner in crime, you know, my life partner. And, you know. Yeah, that's it, amazing, man. I think, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you, so like mommy and I, um, so we met at, there's this, there's this, um, it's a Dutch theme park down by Sasebo. Um, it's called, uh, Hostenbosch, right? H-U-I-S-T-E-N-B-O-S-C-H, right? Hostenbosch, right? And um, and I was a young E4 man. It was a Sunday. I remember it was a Sunday because I woke up in my rack Sunday morning and we had been steaming. But we actually used to live on ships. 100%. There was no such thing as home port ashore. I had a yeah. rack. Which I think was one of the worst decisions that we have ever made, but that's a whole other story. Right. So we can get into that here in a second. But so here I am in my rack and I, I woke up and I was like, Jesus Christ, I was hungover. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I like no. some, yeah, I stir up a couple, <laughs> yeah, 
I stare a couple of the guys. I was like, hey, man, what are we going to do today? They're like, oh, I was like, dude, let's, let's don't go to the bar, man. I don't, I don't have it in me, man. I don't, I don't want to do it. My liver is almost wrecked. Yeah. I'm 18 years old. Yeah. Like, come yeah. On. This is 22 year old Dean. I came in a little bit later. Right. And, um, and so I was like, Hey man, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the train station. And we're going to look at the board and wherever is the cheapest place to go, we're going to go there. Right. And, um, and so we did, and I had heard about this place, Hostin Bosch. And so I, I like, we look and it was cheap. It was like, it was like 200 yen to, to go. And I was like, boom, let's go to Hostin Bosch, man. I keep hearing about this place. And we get there and we're a bunch of broke E4, E3s. And we get there and it's 5,000 yen to get in the gate. And I was like, oh man, this is <laughs> like, this is a bad decision. So we did it. We were like, all right, we pulled our money together to make sure everybody could get in. And um, and and so it's a Dutch theme park. So Heineken was readily available. Let's just say that. <laughs> let's skip the bar, but let's go to a theme park and drink instead. <laughs> That's what we did. And um, anyways, uh, the end of the night is the craziest thing, right? Like I still think about it. And I, like it, it feels like it's not real. So we're at a Dutch theme park in pretty rural Japan. And there was a Cuban band playing uh, at the end of the night, right? Like salsa. I don't know if it's Cuba salsa, but it was Way like too much. Yeah, uh, yeah, cultural integration going on there. <laughs> it was wild, right? And so here's a couple of like you know, um, you know, white guys and Cuban band at a Dutch theme park, and we look up at the front row, and mommy and her best friend Chica uh, were sitting in the front row. And, you know, when you're 22, it's like, uh, I mean, what's the worst? Worst could happen is they say, like, go away. <laughs> right? <I'm saying> <laughs> so we go and we talk to them. And uh, and actually, the trains had stopped running. So we had to ask them for a ride back to base, <laughs> which they obliged. They gave us a ride back to base. We exchanged the email address. And that was like that was. And, and then we got underway the next day. Right, like the next day we got. You know how old you're making me feel right now. When you were a young E4, you exchanged email addresses. Yeah. When I was a young E4, <laughs> we may have had a computer, a Zena 248, in the <laughs> workshop. Yeah, uh, yeah. Only doctors had pagers. Yeah, it's, it's right. so you're like, oh, I was exchanging emails as E4. Now you're command master. She's like, dude, stop it, man. I mean, but you know. Uh, <laughs> It is what it is, right? Like these days, it's like. Sure. Are you over twenty yet? Uh, I've doubled up finally, man. Forty-two, so I doubled up not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, man, the the end of the story is that. Um. So, uh, Robert, we called him Lunchbox because he was fat. Um. So Box for short, right? So Box ended up marrying Chica. And I married mommy. And so we married like two best friends, married best friends, um, which was pretty cool, man. The, the, the best. Are Box and Chica still married? They are. They are. They okay, have good. Four, right, four good. beautiful kids. Everybody's awesome. still together. Um, That's good. The, the funny part of it is that, like, um, I asked mommy to marry me twice. <laughs> the first time she was like, I just met you. Uh, no. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, so I was like, okay, all right, I'm hanging there. And yeah. then we dated almost a year and some change. And then when I asked her the next time, um, 
yeah, she, she, she was about that life. So, you know, fast forward, like I said, we're 19 next year, will be 20 years, man. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's my girl, man. She's awesome. Yep. So, um, yeah, so, man. And, let me ask you then. Yeah. Yeah. What's your secret to a successful marriage? Oh boy. Um, I, I think that it's, it's probably, um, it, it, it's teamwork, right? Especially as you're raising a family, right? And so yeah. it, 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 you know, if you're married, I think if you make it through five years, you're, you're probably in good shape, right? Because that first five years of marriage is hard, man, because you're just, mm -hmm. you're learning each other and, and you may have a kid. And so then like, um, you know, some of the extracurricular activities aren't the same as they used to be. And so then, then, then you 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 become partners, right? And uh, and w once you become teammates in raising a family, and you commit to, um, you know, uh, being giving to the other person's needs, and then also accepting, um, you know, uh, those those reciprocations. Like that's that's it, right? Like once you once you d decide that you're life partners. And you and you're on the same page with that, then I think that you can make it through almost anything in a marriage, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. How about you, man? I mean, you guys are going on 32 years. But yeah, you already covered, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, part of it. Yeah, you know, obviously teamwork. Two is you know, um, devotion, right? Yeah, you know, like you said, in it. Yeah, you know, when I said I do, I meant I do forever, right? There is no going back, and unfortunately. In today's society, when people say "I do," it's kind of like with a question mark at the end. Yeah, you know, it's eh, maybe if this doesn't work out. But that's that's the absolute wrong mentality to go into marriage. That's why, you know, I, I, when I met Terry, I kind of knew is this is the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with, right? And, and not physically. We, you know, we didn't have a physical relationship, and nowadays that seems obligatory, right? Like, oh, if you don't, yeah, you, know, you got to kick the tires before you take it for a ride, you know, that kind of thing. I no. Uh, because if you aren't compatible on a psychological level and an emotional level, the physical stuff wears off after a while. Right. So th th there's that piece. There's the devotion to each other. And there's there's also some stubbornness <laughs> to like, damn it, this is going to work, right? Um, uh, but I, like you also said, there's going to be the amount of humility in there as well, uh, a give and take piece. And, and being able to receive when you need it. Yeah. Um, I'm not always the best at that. You know, a oh, lot wow. of guys aren't, you know, because we want to be the strong men. Oh, this is my Biden shirt. So anyway. <laughs> we're going to get into that later. More to fall on that one. We'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, there's so, I don't think there's any one answer to it no. other than yeah, you got to be devoted to one another. And you're going to be devoted to your marriage, right? And and in a sacrosanct way. Uh, and if you're not, yeah, yeah, I think that it's 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 a marriage is is you know a, a microcosm of of like how you succeed in anything in life. And I think probably the number one word or quality is commitment, right? Um, yeah. Like you, you have to be all. In, absolutely all the time right I, I i think you probably 
put it in a nutshell right now, committed to each other, committed to your faith, committed to your kids, uh, com committed to making it work when the, because you know, there's a lot of truth that for better, for worse, yeah. for in sickness and health. Yeah. Right. There's a reason why those are in traditional vows because that is life. That is a marriage. It's not going to be unicorns and lollipops all the time. Right. You know, there are going to be days that it's just like, I got to go outside and vent to a tree uh, before <laughs> I do something I regret, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you, you have to get your head back in game and go, this is my wife. This yep. is the person I'm committed to for life. Yep. Yeah. I, I need to go back and fix this. That's when the humility comes in and goes, it's not about me. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, and, and especially being, uh, you know, um, a, a Navy wife. Um, and, and I say Navy specifically, not just military. Right. Because um, I think about how much time I've been gone and it it is <clears throat> bad. Like it's sad to me. It's sad, yeah. right? Like all the things I've missed my oh, kids yeah. and and just the the their ability to like hold it down, take care of business, make oh, sure yeah. people are paid, make sure the lunchbox is packed, make sure you know uh, you know the teenager's boyfriend just broke up with her and she's distraught. Like all yeah, these. I, I, I'm sure you've been to a few retirement ceremonies where they talk about the Navy wife. I cry every time. Every yeah. Time. yeah. <laughs> that that is so true uh and how well that's written because i do think and i'm not disparaging any other uh, branch of the service i respect them all but our lifestyle especially back then too you know when we got underway there was no communications right there was no email right. there was no when we wrote letters we had to number them because you didn't know in which order they were going to be delivered you know um and and or which one you're responding to right uh, so, yeah, I, I, I firmly believe it takes a special kind of person to be a Navy spouse, you know, especially in today's Navy where you know, it's not just women. It's not just Navy wives. Or there are Navy husbands as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a, a, diff a difficult lifestyle. Yeah, for sure, man. So, uh, wow, man, that makes me want to call mommy. I need <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yeah, because you're doing the whole geo batch thing, which uh, well, bless your brother. Um, I couldn't. Well, I could do it if I had to, right? Uh, but thank God I didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for those that do it and make it work, bro, yeah. mad respect. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. It's it's been one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, and um, we did it intentionally. It was a family decision. Uh, we, you know, we came to this point where. Uh, Millie, my oldest, who just graduated this year, or this, you know, um, this year, um, she was going into her junior year, and the orders for yeah. Masawa, nobody wanted to take Masawa, right? And I was like, I'll take it. Talked to the family, I was like, listen, we can all go to Masawa, or you guys stay here, and I'll go to Masawa, and I'll knock it out two years. And, and the family decision was made that we wanted to create that stability for our kids, right? We moved them around so much. I just wanted them to be like in one. That school. goes back to the making the marriage work thing, right? Yeah. You, you've made a decision for your children. Right. Putting your children ahead of you for the time being. Because right? at some point your kids are going to be gone. It'll be just you and Mamie again. Yeah. Um, 
mommy i'm sorry yeah yeah, yeah. the whole long a thing but um yeah it, it was the right decision for you at that time now right. luckily you also you're still in japan so i've seen yeah. the photos of you guys get together and doing great things and having fun on the ski, ski slopes and everything yeah um, but you know your kids are going to thank you for that in the long run. yeah and and we've we've been able to make it work i mean if anything i think we're probably stronger as a family um now than than we were before i came up here yeah. so you know blessing in disguise um kind of thing um it's 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 been great so uh dude let's, so let's talk about your kids because i know you, you kind of briefly talked about them but you've got one boy that is uh a naval aviator right nfo and then you've got one that uh is a fc2 already after like three years and he's he's, he's he, he, he doesn't even come over three until like right now right What's that? He's deployed right now, right? Yeah, he he's uh, on the Truman. Yeah, yeah. Oops, uh, I'm sick. Oh my god. Uh, but anyway, yeah. yeah, that's fine. It's all over Facebook. Keith Keith Wilkerson puts it all over Facebook. Like <laughs> we all know that the Truman is out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, well, his picture was out there, you know, during the frocking ceremony and all that other stuff. But yeah, yeah. no, very proud of the young lad. Uh, he picked up E five a couple months ago now, yeah. um, and. Um, yeah, just super proud of him. Um, yeah, one, he's never been a big test taker. Uh, yeah. yeah and, um, I think I mentioned uh, Terry homeschooled both of them all the way through. And and John had some ch challenges early on with learning, reading, and writing. We think he might have had some minor dyslexia at the time. Undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. Put that out there. I don't want any contractual problems for sure. him. But, yeah. um, but he has just really um, – done some amazing things so proud of both of them you know um but uh john uh picking up e5 especially you know being an enlisted guy right and you know my yeah. son's an, my older son's an officer very proud of him i was able to give him his first salute and everything yeah. super proud of the moment but you know when your you know youngest you know beats you you know uh, he made e5 faster than i did i'm like yeah. keep it on your boy yeah. keep it up yeah uh so you know, very yeah. proud of him and they're both Eagle Scouts, right? Yeah, they were both Eagle Scouts. Um, in fact, they made Eagle in the same troop uh, years apart. Uh, we had a, a short that stint in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, uh, he didn't. He had wanted to make Eagle there, but we went when we went back to Virginia. We went back to our old troop, so it's kind of cool that he made Eagle in his old troop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm an Eagle Scout. Um, I actually, I so my mom when I made Eagle Scout. And by the way, I was that guy that was like, you know, my, my dad was looking at me like, hey, man, like, you're about to turn 18 here in a few months. Like, you need to get hot on the service project. I, I was doing that with David. <laughs> I'll let you finish your part of the story, but you, you yeah. got to hear you got to hear David's yeah. story. Go, go ahead. So I was I was 17, senior in high school. I had everything done. I just needed to do the service project. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's funny because my mom had bought. So he's my stepdad, right? But um, I call him dad. I mean, yeah. been my dad forever, right? And uh, my mom had bought him a tie clip that had um, it had seven eagles, um, you know, kind of like in a circle, kind of thing, right? And and I I was number seven, so <laughs> seven boys, right? Um, Mormon. Holy cow! God bless your mother. Yeah. Well. So, oh my goodness. Eh, oh, no, okay. Never mind. Not dad. Dad. <laughs> but God bless. Sarah Packard, his first wife, who who, who passed, who had okay, got it, got it, I got it. Children, um, 
Yeah. Right. God bless her. For wow. Me. So I was, uh, I was number seven. Right. And so, you know, Bernie, uh, uh my stepdad is like, Dean, like, you know, your mom bought me this tie clip and, um, there's, there's, there's seven sons and there, there's seven Eagles. So I, I need you to really like get this thing done. And so I did, I, I did a, a nice service project. I went to one of the parks, one of the state parks and refinished all of the, the, the tabletops, um, and, and benches for like the picnic tables and stuff. And, um, and so my mom made like a, uh, almost like a shadow box, what we would call a shadow box. It's got my merit badges. It's got my yeah. card. It's got, you know, my uh, arrow and, and, and all yeah. that stuff, right? And I keep it on my desk, right? Like in my yeah. office because it's, it's, it's so important to me, right? Like um, and I never had any sons, um, but if I had, certainly I would have had them in, in the Boy Scouts. Um, you know, even even with – there's some controversy around it, you know, these days with allowing girls in. Like I still think, I still think it's a good organization, you know. Yeah, um, there's a new organization out there called Trail Life. Okay, it was um, started by a couple Eagle Scouts who were kind of disenchanted with where BSA was going. Yeah. So it's kind of like a reset of scouting. So it's a very faith-based organization. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the original tenants. Uh, and they kind of did it right also from the perspective of um, the sponsorship of the groups. So the groups belong to the churches that host them. Which is so how like ministry of that church. That way. Yeah. So unlike scouting where it was a, a non-for-profit organization, the government could come in and tell them what to do kind of sort of. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas with life scout, uh, 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 trail scout, uh, trail life, excuse me, um, because they're a church organization. Right. Uh, it, but anyway, um, so we yeah. have a troop life uh, troop down here uh, just south of us uh, that um, our, my American Legion post here in town is uh, kind of sponsoring, but we're, you know, we're working with them. We're, we're, so, yeah, of course, a lot of us have you know, experience in scouting and unfortunately a lot of the adults down there don't, right. you know, so, uh, we're, we're able to add to that. So it's, it's a good relationship, but uh yeah, yeah I, 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 with John eagled out, he he eagled out right about the right time because it, we we were looking at things and the troop he belonged to was uh, sponsored, hosted by a church, so it still had a lot of the same tenants, but yeah. we just didn't like where it was heading, and um, so eagled out a good time. But let me tell you about David. Yeah. Um. So it was, I want to say junior. I was going on deployment uh, uh, on the bush. I was the command master chief. Um, we were going on a scheduled nine month deployment and yeah. this in 2014, 15. So this is when ISIS popped up. Right. So we right. were like the flat deck on scene, able to respond. Um, but when I, before I left, you know, I think David was a first class scout maybe. Right. And I, and so I sat down with him and said, Hey, map this out. You can do this, this, and this. And by the time I get back, you're already here and I can help you with this. So I go on deployment, I come back. Um, he is still a first class scout. And, and he's, I want to say he was at 17 at the time. And I'm like, dude, you got to get hot in this because he was homeschooled. He wanted to go to, he had already made up his mind. He wanted to go to BMI, uh -huh. Virginia Military Institute. Um, he wanted to get in there. He wanted to uh, become a naval aviator. So, you know, good arm for completing that. But he, uh, 
he was dragging his feet, you know, um, you know, uh, some of the adults you say, Oh, he's, he's got the fumes going on, you know, like car fumes, perfumes, things like that, you know, uh, the, the distractions. Right. And, um, I really had to work on him hard. It's like, son, you're going to regret this if you don't finish it. And uh, to his credit, he did. And, uh, he got into VMI, got an ROTC scholarship. So, uh, uh, very proud of him for doing it. But there was that point in time where it's like, I don't know if he's going to survive this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, um, it's in my record. I have a waiver. So I, I, I certainly had some, some fumes <laughs> of sorts of my own going on. When it was like not- I said, I, I joined in the eighties and I don't think there was many people without a waiver back then. Yeah. Just- exactly. Right. Yeah. That's good, man. I, I agree though. So like, my, my troop, uh, Three Rivers Council, Troop 118 uh, in Texas. And yep. um, it was uh, hosted by the Mormon Church, right? So yep. I, like, I, grew, I grew up Mormon. We, we talked about this. Yep. Yep. Um, so like, we talked about black sheep. Like, yeah, and I got no one I was the only one that didn't go on a mission. No so, wonder why there's 14 kids in your family. <laughs> so, uh, and I grew up in small town Louisiana. Um, before my parents split, right? And so, like, um, let me tell you something, brother. Like, it's hard growing up in a cult. <laughs> Especially right? when you leave the reservation. Yeah, it, that's, that's... I mean... Uh, but I, I hope your parents are very proud of you for what uh, you've accomplished. Uh, you know? we're, we're, and when I go home, I go to church with them. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen the pictures. Uh, yeah. How, you know, you got a good family thing going on there. So, uh, it was yeah. a good way to be raised, but in yeah. small town Louisiana with predominantly Southern Baptist or Methodist population. Yeah. Like I'm the Mormon kid. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, but it's all good. They're, they're great people. Uh, Elder just, Dean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that didn't happen. That, nope. that part didn't happen. <laughs> it would have been. Uh, you have to do your missionary thing to, to get, become an elder or something like that. Or how, how, um, yeah, so they, 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 missionaries are called elders, right? Okay. Um, and, and so they'll, you know, I, again, I think that it's a great way to live life. Uh, if you look at the Mormon faith, they're all about family yeah. and, uh, community yeah, and, and I'm okay with that, you know, um, you know, the Mormon church, I'm, I'm a Christian, you know, yep. unabashedly. Yep. Um, yeah, I know some people are like, Hey, you're about your smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. Yeah. And. I still know who Jesus is and, you know, yeah. you know I'm going to pull without him, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite um, quips on that is my brother, it was a firefighter on the floor, dude, this guy, and a uh, very salty individual, but very much a Jesus guy, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, cussing like a sailor and drinking and everything. And and my brother would say, how do you reconcile that? And, he, and, and the guy looked at him and said, you know, Rich, even a crooked stick can draw a straight line. <laughs> huh. Huh. And- but anyway, uh, but just up the hill from here, actually this way, is Mennonite community. We have a lot of Mennonites around okay. here. And, yeah. and uh, are you familiar with Mennonites? I'm not. I've, I've heard yeah. of it, but what? Like, you, I'm not. They're kind of like Amish light. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they live uh, very... Seclu- not secluded, but um, a um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? You know, they live in communities. They build their own houses. They kind of live off the grid. 
Uh, they don't believe in the kind of the power of the state kind of thing. You know, everything is uh, to them is handed down to them from God. Um, you know, they dress very modestly. You know, the bonnets, the long dresses, the men are wearing the hats. And but with Mennonites, and there's different levels kind of of them. You know, they um, they'll still use like battery-powered lights, or they'll use solar to generate, or they'll have a generator, or they they will use gas-powered equipment but they're not connected to the grid and things like that and they're still very um inclusive but they uh like here it's there's a whole community up in the hill um called the fall creek mennonite community and it's a great place to shop i mean they have like uh, a big nursery they have a lumber yard they have a general store they have um <laughs> there's one one place it's it's my wife might laugh about it it's kind of like a bulk store right yeah, uh, you buy big bags of flour and grosses of cans and stuff like that. So we call it Samuel's Club instead of Sam's <laughs> Club. <laughs> but great people, very friendly. You know, they come down the hill and they, they go to the farmers market and they'll be selling fresh baked breads and stuff. Yeah, but I respect them for what they do and how they live. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't disparage them. You know, although I believe in. You know, my beliefs are a little different than theirs, but I respect them and what they do and how they do it and how they raise their kids. And um, so, yeah, I can't you know, even uh, I, I know plenty of Mormons um, you know, um, and good people. Do do our doctrines align? No. Uh, but at the end of the day, we worship the same God. So, you know, cheers. 100 <laughs> percent. Right. I think that uh, that's another a, a, a funny part. of the story. when we moved here. Um, we started looking for a church, right? Um, because uh, we very firmly believe in it, the fellowship of church and you know, and believers. And we started looking for where we wanted to go. And, you know, we started checking because a lot of Baptist churches down here, right? All teetotalers, right? or at least openly. <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I'm doing Baptist. I don't drink. But then they go fishing on the weekend with a six pack of Bud Light, right? But uh, uh, so we yeah. found the Methodist church and they're like, yeah, drinking's fine. Oh, we're going to this church. <laughs> yeah. yeah, drink. I mean, I drink. Yeah. It turns out that the pastor there is a VMI grad. Um, so, uh, and uh, if you're at all familiar with Virginia Miller Military Institute in the the family of VMI, it's very tight knit. Uh, right. So, um, yeah, that was a, another one of those signs, like, oh, we're supposed to go to this church because there's a VMI grad here. But uh, anyway, I like it, man. I think that's a I think that's important to pay attention to signs in your life, right? You know, oh, yeah. simple as uh, a VMI grad um, or whatever, right? I think that, that, like, I think that God gives us signs, right? There's and, a lot to be said for providence. Right. Right. Uh, well, and I mentioned, you know, this house, and I, I think we talked about it offline, but, yeah. you know, how we ended up in Dunlap, you know, because we were looking in the greater Chattanooga area mm -hmm. uh, on the other side of the mountain. But with the housing market at the time, this would have been uh, late 2019, was crazy. You know, a lot of people moving to Tennessee. Uh, the houses are you know, just going, going, going. And uh, make a long story a little bit shorter, we found this house uh, when we came down here for our house hunting on Labor Day weekend of 2019. And we came in. We, we loved the uh, layout. It's a, it's a They call it a single-story ranch, but the... The, the basement is a walkout, so we're on a slope property, and it's completely finished. 
So I have a man cave. I have my offices. Where there's a wine room that I've turned into my, uh, I call it the galley, uh, but I've turned it into uh, my you know, bourbon room, uh, full bathroom, a guest room, and a complete workshop. And I have a lower garage door. So I have upper, a two-car garage, and then I have a lower garage driveway and a lower garage door for bringing materials for woodworking and whatnot. But when we came to look at the house, it was already empty. Um, the owner was a widow. Her husband had died uh, about 18 months earlier of lung cancer. And I found out through some research that he was retired Navy. He was no six, uh, SWO, surface warfare officer. So uh, we're looking at the house. It's all hardwood. We like the construction. It's good, solid, built in uh, 1976. So like we are talking about with construction, there's artistry in this house. You know, it's how, how it was built. And we walk out in the deck here, and you can see where I'm sitting now. And you know, the sun's gone down over the mountain over there. It's beautiful. And I step out on the patio here and look in, and I looked around and up the see if I can show you up in the eaves yeah. here. There's some tongue and groove, right? And there's a ship steering wheel there. I don't know if you can see it or not. That's but it. over there, what's that thing? That's an enlisted surface warfare insignia, right? Yes. Well, when we came to look at the house, it was still natural wood so it was the golden color so it was a surplus it was supposed to be a swole pin but you and i know the difference the cross cutlasses, but it was cross cutlasses but obviously someone had bought it because of swole pin and then you know finding out that the the husband was a surface warfare officer was like, oh but when i came i didn't know that when i came in i so i walk out i look up and like what the hell <laughs> doing here yeah. But right, steering wheel. Uh, I took there was a there's a porthole there with a mirror in. I took it down because I'm going to refinish that. Um, some other nautical stuff, and then I see this swole pin. I'm like, you got to um, be kidding me! What is this about? And then uh, we go downstairs and we walk into the workshop. There's a doormat right there. Welcome, United States Navy. I'm like, oh god, this is it. This is this is. <laughs> this is where we're meant to be. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so we we uh, made the offer, and when we made the offer on the house, we full price offer. Um, I told my realtor to tell the seller's realtor, "Hey, we're a retiring Navy family. I'm a retiring mass chief. We want to keep this Navy family." Two hours, accepted the offer. We're good. Uh, come to find out, the widow is also a Navy oh, retired O six, a supply corps officer. Yeah, cow man. Uh, so uh, we got a chance to meet her, uh, and she did her service in the late 70s up into the 90s. So she was one of the first women at sea. So she's got some crazy stories, but she's a hoot. She's from Alabama. Oh, yeah. She's a, oh, yeah. She's something else. But uh, the day we closed on this house, I took that slow pin down, took it out of the garage, went down the hill to the Ace Hardware right down the Bought some silver paint. Yeah, let's make sure this is the right color. <laughs> I put it back up, and I sent a picture to Diane, the, the owner. I said, oh, see? And she said, oh, the transition is complete. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, man. Yeah, yeah that's, so, but, that's crazy. Yeah, I go back to that Providence thing. It's like, yeah, we were meant to be here, and we absolutely love it. Yeah. What's the uh, – so what's the weather like? Uh, I mean – not too bad. Are y'all at elevation? So no, no, we're not at elevation here. Yeah, we could go up the mountains, which yeah, they're you know mountains for Small southeastern mountains. It's actually the southern end of the Smokies, is what it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. You know, we get we still get the mist in the trees from the, like the Smoky Mountain kind of thing. Uh, but we're you know maybe at a couple hundred feet above elevation in the valley here. 
Right. Uh, if you go up to the top of the mountain, it's you know maybe a couple thousand feet, uh, and the temperature will drop depending, you know, six, seven degrees. You know, so if it's it's hot and muggy down here, you can go up to the top of the mountain, go to you know, lots of great state parks around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go find some you know comfortable air or a nice swimming hole to go yeah. in. Uh, it, yeah. It's it's great, but uh, we we love it here. So anybody listening in uh, today. If you're looking for a great place to retire, Tennessee is fantastic. Yeah. Um, they, they, oh, by the way, didn't mention uh, the house, gross livable, 1,900 square feet, but you know, with the basement and everything, it's about 3,300 square feet. And I got a little over two and a half acres of land, wow. $245,000. Stop it. <laughs> yes, sir. That's amazing. Holy cow, man! So come on yeah. down to Tennessee, y'all. Yeah, only the good people though. If you're yeah, yeah. If you're an ass clown, don't don't come. So I'm gonna make a head call real quick, and then let's get into that topic. That the the. Right. I'm, gonna, I'm just about done with this stick, so I'm gonna have to go run downstairs and get out. So yeah, yeah. go make this call. I'm gonna go into the I'll yeah. back. All right, All right brother. I'm gonna keep it recording. Let's go. Yep, I beat Dean back. I thought I was the old guy with a small bladder, but. I'm back. <laughs> I said I thought I was the old guy with a small bladder. Yeah, man. It's uh you know, when when you gotta go, you gotta go. There's no use fighting it at this age. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It ain't happening. Yeah, man, I know I know the feeling. All right, David. So here's the part where uh I think we're gonna have some fun. We're we're not having fun yet? I've been having a great time so far. Um, look at that. That was an awesome torch, man. Hell yeah. Good one of the best. Uh, I think this one's made by uh Z car. Oh. Love this thing. Tank lighter, nice desktop version. Heck yeah. Okay, dude. So let's talk about it. What the fuck is going on in our country right now? And I have a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast, so I'm plus I don't think that many people are watching, but anyways. Uh, I've heard your disclaimer, so we're good. Well, uh, yeah, but so, I'm also retired, and you're not. So, uh, so I'm, I'm going to get. What the fuck is going on with our country, right? brother? Um, <sighs> fundamentally, this is a tough one for me, and I, you probably feel the same way because I spent my entire adult life serving our country and the idea of our constitution. Yeah, that's one thing that makes our country so much different. We don't, um, it's not about a person. It's not about a flag. It's not, it's about our constitution, right? And we're unique in that. And our constitution is a work of art. When you read it and dig into it and look into the backgrounds of the people who wrote it and and their intent, you know, when, when 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 they wrote it and what was going on, you know, I hate it when people try to make define things with this kind of vision because it's not that simple. Yeah, you got to look at the context of the time, what was going on, again, the individuals involved, but it's a, it's a work of art. The fact that it survived 270 years, some odd years already, it, it's amazing. But the country I... That I uh, when I that I joined the Navy in is not the same as today, um, and I'm proud of my service, and 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 
what I did, but I, I'm not very proud of my country right now. And it hurts me to say that. It really does. And I, 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 I don't say that lightly. Um, you know, I, I, I love where I'm at. I lo There's a lot of great people in this country, so don't get me wrong there. But what's going on with our government is, one, what we have now as a federal government is never what our founding fathers intended. It's supposed to be limited government. They were supposed to provide for the security of the country and to create treaties with other nations. That's that. That was it. The limited scope. That's that, that's the purpose of a federal government. We were and the fact that we're a representative republic and not a democracy, right? So there's part of that artistry in there, right? It, the fact that we've got a government that just runs everything, and we get, you know, you probably heard me say this before, but we fought a, a war back in you know the late 1770s to separate ourselves from a ruling class. Here we are, 270 some odd years later, we have a new ruling class. And what you see going on in DC is just, to me, it's disgusting. Yep. It's self-serving, it's, it's, it. <sighs> have you been to DC recently? I haven't been uh, maybe five years. Five years, six years. Okay. Um, obviously, while I was still in active duty, I go to DC regularly, and I just felt an oppressive atmosphere every time I went to DC. I I I, I felt angry. I felt like this is wrong. We look around, look at the opulence there to begin with. How much money we spend on visual things is is. It's horrible, um, except for like the artistry of, of monuments and things like that. But federal buildings that are just oh, we'll go around the Pentagon. Really, we're we're building museums in the Pentagon. With we're spending all this money on these big pretty pictures and stuff. It's come on. Why we're we using that money to make sure our forces are as tactically ready as possible, right? Yeah, but. What our government's become is not ever what it was intended. Right. And we got these idiots that we keep we, uh, we keep reelecting to office who are just tearing apart our Constitution. Um, it breaks my heart. It really does. I mean, um, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I'm in counseling. You know, obviously serving as long as I did at the level I did and some of the things I did during my service. You know, yeah. Do you know, uh, um, oh, I just forgot Paul's name. He was the Fleet Forces Mass Chief. Um, Kingsbury. For, uh, Fleet Mass Chief. Uh, Paul. Uh, Kingsbury. Kingsbury. Yeah. Paul's a great guy, one of my mentors. Yeah. Um, but about a year or so before he retired, uh, we met for coffee. He had already retired, and he sat down with me. We're, we're talking about the transition, things I need to do. And he said, hey, have you uh, gone to get any mental health yet? I'm like, no, I don't need that. He's like, dude, you don't serve as long as you did at the levels you did and not be messed up. Yeah. And he was right. You know, especially at that time, I, was, I had a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of anxieties. Um, 
So I, I've been in counseling, you know, for a while anyway. But when, you know, this past couple of years and what has happened, you know, starting with the election in 2018 and everything you know, that has gone downhill from there. And it started before that, you know, with some of these social things going on. It just breaks my heart to see where we're going and, and what our country has become. Now, I know the media has played a big part in that. You know, I have a, another T-shirt. I'm a big fan of T-shirts these days. It says, uh, the real virus is the media. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. You know, and I try to be careful about what I ingest, but I, I just can't help it because I still want to know what's going on. I don't want to stick my whole my head in the ground and, and pretend like nothing's happening because there things are. But I listen to a lot of other people. I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff. And it's sad. Yeah. It, it, it just for it's, it. I didn't serve my country in the Constitution for so long to see what's happening today. Yeah. Um, the division, the anger, um, and unfortunately, it, it tends to be one way. And yeah, I don't care what anybody thinks. You know, you see left and right. You know, you keep hearing about all oh, the radical right. They're doing this and this, and it's like I don't know what the hell they're talking about. But it's not the radical right that's out burning down cities or telling you know kids they need to go cut off the genitalia or um, you know. The, the left that's saying speech is 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 violence, right? And if you don't think the way we do, you know, we're gonna silence you, right? This isn't America. This isn't what we were supposed to be. I know, man. And um, anyway, um, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but hey, it's, it's no, just that's that's it exactly really does break my heart. Let me tell you something, man. And, and I'm okay with saying this even on active duty, right? Yeah, I have a disclaimer, but. It it's it's hard, man. David, let me tell you something, man. Like as, as a friend and mentor, let me tell you, it it's hard right now to be on active duty. I know, and I feel sorry for my sons. You know, they're they're Christian conservatives, and that's considered an extreme today. Yeah, you know, these are guys who love people, who want people to be successful, but that's considered an extreme philosophy. Just because we have also certain beliefs that men are men and women are women. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, that kind of thing, right? You know? And um, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not disparaging people who have challenges with their sexuality or how they feel about things. I know mental health is a thing, but it's also not something we should be saying, oh, that's normal either. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, 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 I've heard this term. Actually, this term was used the first time I heard it was in the Navy. The normalization of deviancy. Yeah, which we, which I first heard it was in relation to Navy maintenance. Right. We saw this with McCain. Right. Yeah. Where, okay, well, um, we can't do this, so we're just going to kind of um, say that's okay for now. We we just lowered the bar. Next thing you know, it now becomes the norm. Yeah. Then we lower the bar again, and it becomes a norm. That's the normalization of deviancy, and we're seeing that thing in society. Like we're talking about marriage earlier. How many you know single families are out there? How many unwed mothers? Uh, the, that nuclear family is being torn apart. Yeah, 
And, but there's a whole segment of society is like, oh, that's okay. The nuclear family is an old-fashioned thing. It's not. It's how for millennia how societies grew and were successful. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, brother. I need a drink. <laughs> drink up, man. I, so it, I agree. It's like if you normalize everything, then there, there, there's no rules. Right. Well, yeah, it goes along with if everything's right, then nothing's wrong. Right. That's it. If, if you normalize the most deviant, and when I say deviant, people hear deviant, they think, you know, bad. Deviant doesn't mean bad. It just means that it's not within the normal construct of society. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And that, that's exactly the way I mean it, too. It's not in the, the norms. You know, when, you know, when something's not normal, what is it? It's abnormal. Right. Which is the opposite of normal. Yeah. But when you're saying that everything's normal, then there's no such thing as abnormal. You know, it kind of go, goes along with the people. That, well, my truth is that there's only one truth. Right. If, if everybody has their own truth, then that means there is no truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard subject. And unfortunately, we can't even have a rational conversation about it nowadays because. There's a segment of society, and I, and granted, I think it's a small segment, but unfortunately, their voices are over amplified, and a lot of people are kowtowing to them. So it's the minority controlling the majority. When they say, "Oh, well, you can't say that. That's 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 bad," or that's you know that's hate speech or whatever. Um, no, why can't we just have a conversation about this? Why can't I express to you? Exactly. my opinions and let's talk this out and it, and it seems like every time you try to have a logical conversation with somebody on the other side um there you know, when you have a winning argument they say oh you're whatever ist you want to be right yeah uh, they, they just start labeling people instead of or and or shutting down the conversation completely yeah right uh instead of why don't you try to see it from my side? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it's dangerous. First of all, um, and it, it, it puts us in a place where, you know, that people can't have rational conversations. You know, um, and and quite frankly, especially in the military, um, you know, your speech is limited, right? Like that. That's just part of. That's part of the gig, right? And I, I, I do understand that from the perspective of you know, when we join the military, we understand we're giving up some of our rights, right? And as a senior enlisted leader, for as long as I was, I understood that there were things that I couldn't say for the good of the whole. Uh, 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 an example, uh, this is a great, it was a, another epiphany moment for me. I was a senior chief. I was assigned to DevGru, Naval Special Warfare Development Group, now you know known as seal team six back then that was you know classified but thanks to obama that went out the window but uh uh i was cocksure you know i was a, a young senior chief you know i had uh i drove a chevy s10 at the time and i had a lot of stickers on my truck yeah you, know, you, you know i like stickers on my vehicle right you should see my truck now i got all kinds of stuff on it yeah. but uh and it was, you know, it was a certain political bent, obviously. And there was uh, 
an officer that I worked with. He was an LDO, a uh, prior ET. Uh, his first name was Eric. I can't, I'm drawing a blank on his last name at the moment. But he'd been there, done that. You know, he, he came from JSOC. He had worked in the community for a while. And I was outside having a cigar or something on a break or whatever, just kind of relaxing. And uh, he came over and said, hey, senior, can I have a chat with you? I said, yeah, absolutely, sure. Sure, whatever you say. And uh, he sat down and said, you know, how you come across and the things you present are, are going to impact your leadership, right? Um, and at the time, I think I had already uh, put in to leave Dev Group early so I can go back to the fleet and, you know, continue progressing. And he said, you're going to be leading a lot of different people. You know, it's not like here, right? Because everybody at Dev Group was handpicked at the top of the top, that kind of thing. And, you know, my truck was just parked, you know, 15, 20 feet away. And he pointed at my truck and said, what that says about you, how is that going to impact your leadership? And when you have that young sailor who's dealing with something, and they see your truck, are they going to be able to come to you and talk to you about how they're feeling about something? Or are they going to say, that guy won't understand? It, that, that was one of those, wow, wow. Yeah. He was absolutely right, you know, because as a leader, you have to maintain that equal footing. You know, you have to bury kind of a lot of your personal beliefs so you can be a more effective leader. So when that when that individual comes into your office and has to talk about something that you may feel strongly about, but you need to be there for them at that moment in time. Right. You got to be able to listen. You got to be able to em not empathize, but really kind of understand what they're getting to and, and be able to help them. Um, and that day I went home and scraped all the stickers off my truck because I wanted to be a leader that people could come talk to. So I understand that being in the military, being on active duty, you have to internalize some stuff and hold that in, right? Which was fine at the time, but I will say towards the end, you know, when uh, there's a lot of stuff going on socially and there are things in the news and, uh, you know, George Floyd was a big thing at the time. And yeah, it was just getting to the point where I could not reconcile the things that the Navy was asking me to do or say with my personal faith and beliefs. It was getting to that point where if I have to go up and talk to somebody or, or talk to a group of people and they have to bring up this, they're going to bring up a particular subject. If I speak the truth in what I believe, I'm done, right? So it was kind of fortuitous that my last year in the Navy was COVID yeah. because I didn't get to travel. I stayed in you know, the headquarters, um, you know, but it was a very tough time for me because I knew, and I, and I feel for guys like you and, and my sons who are now serving today who have a certain set of personal morals, ethics, beliefs that they have to kind of subside because that's what the Navy is saying you have to do. Or not just the Navy, because this is going on all branches too. Uh, so, brother, um, yeah. feel for you. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I want you to be successful in the rest of your career. Uh, and when it gets to that point where you have to decide, do I do this or I do what my heart tells me to do? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hard thing. I mean, look, and and it's not so hard that's like insurmountable because I still love the sailors, right? I still I still love uh, seeing them grow and develop and and become what they're uh, you know intended to be, which is you know upstanding members of society, whether in the navy or or in the civilian sector, right? Like I, I enjoy that part of it. Not and. And quite frankly, uh, I enjoy the war fighting part of it. Like, I, I enjoy the idea that we're preparing to, to defeat our fucking enemies, right? Like, I, I love and it. If you can stay focused on that, right? that's great. Right. But right. there's so many competing yeah. demands. Yeah, I'll tell coming you. Down that it, it, like, yeah. something that really, and I'm okay talking about it. I, I don't care, right? Like, the thing that really got to me was um after the after after like the whole january 6th thing right when we had to have this like um violent extremism stand down and we all had to like reaffirm our oath i was infuriated by that like it it just it 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 drove it like it made me so mad that that as an institution we made a lot of we made assumptions and we made everybody reaffirm their oath i was like get the fuck out of here like you serious right now and um and it's been a lot of that kind of stuff since then and um and and i know that like there's better times ahead right like i've I've been doing it long enough that like administrations change and and well let's hope so let's hope and pray so yeah 100%, 100%, right? And, and so I know that there, I hope and pray that there are better times ahead, but it just, uh, it feels culturally like mm-hmm. we're either on the precipice of two things. We're either on the precipice of, uh, of, 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 of falling off the cliff or of like doing a complete about face and saying, what the fuck have we yeah. been doing these last 20 yeah. years? Like everybody stop. Let's get our head back in the game and let's let's move forward, right? I, I, and I do see a lo- kind of an awakening where yeah. you know, kind of for so long people were willing to, oh, it's okay, it's a small thing, okay, it's a small thing. But then now it's getting to the point like, whoa, you know, I go back to don't ask, don't tell. You know, I, um, I don't know if uh, you were serving at that time or not, but yeah, was. Uh, first class when. Um, uh, President Clinton was elected, and um, yeah, at that time, I thought it was the end of the world. <laughs> oh, God. It can't get any worse than this. <laughs> right. Be careful what you ask for, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, when um, they passed Don't Ask, Don't Tell, right? Uh, and Which is kind of well, when they get rid of it. It was kind of like, live and let live. Okay, great. What you do at home, I don't care, really. You know? Um, what consent, consenting adults do in bedroom, whatever, which was fine because at that time it was just just let our live our, let us live our lives kind of thing. But here we are, twenty years, twenty five years later, and it now it's like you will accept this, yeah, yeah, you will accept th- this lifestyle, this thing. You know, uh, we have just gone the exactly opposite direction, and there is no sense of. You have, you know, you do you, I'll do me, right? Which right. I would be much better with, 
Yeah. But when you start telling me that I have to agree with something that at my very core I disagree with, uh, and I'm going to go back to the violent extremist thing too, because I remember that going on. And, you know, at the time I had 34 years in the Navy. Um, you, you've been in a while too. We've all through our careers met shitheads. We've met these morons that are just like, really? You fucked hard? Right. Yeah. Come on. They're out there. But that's the the rare exception. Most service members, and you know, our experience obviously more with Navy, but you know, we both had the, the pleasure of working with the joint forces. Um most young Americans that are serving today just want to serve, just want to do their thing. Right? They just want to you know, fight for their country. Um, but when you start saying that, oh, because you're a Christian conservative, you might be extremist. Come on. You know, where have we gone off the ledge there? Right? There's no slippery slope anymore. It's just straight down. Um, and the fact that you're labeling people because of their faith and beliefs as extremists when they're, they're just, you know, five years ago, they were normal people, right? Right. Now, because of society says you have to do this, and they're not extremists. They, 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 just, they just want to live their lives in accordance with their faith and their beliefs and not have to be told that this is, they have to accept this is the norm. That's a problem. And uh, and it creates more division because if anything, what that did is divide us further instead of uniting us. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. Um, obviously, like, um, you know, I, I review surveys, right? You know, we do on a periodic mm -hmm. basis. We do our command climate surveys and. Um, I've been doing it for years because I was a, a semi-O, even yep. before I was command master chief. And and so if, if I were to go like, I don't know, uh, 10 years ago till now, uh, with increasing frequency, um, there are complaints about um, either Christian conservative or, um, you know, anti-white sentiment, right? Um, like with increasing frequency, these are comments that 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 you see on these surveys, right? And and it's because um, no no group should be marginalized, right? And we're in a place where institutionally, culturally, um, there is a group that's being marginalized, and it, it's and it's 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 guys like you and I, right? And and look. Well, it's that pendulum swing thing, right? Yeah. The pendulum has swung so far to this direction that it's creating that backlash. It needs to come back to the middle. Yeah, and you and I grew up in a Navy where you know, we went out in liberty with blacks, Hispanics, Filipinos. It yeah. didn't matter. Gay guys, I didn't care, man. Like, we have friends, you know what I mean? Like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and what, how did that sense of unity get created it's through our joint hardship you know, going to boot camp together right and that kind of crucible 
and uh, being on board a ship and, or uh, some other kind of unit and deploying together or going on field exercises together and, you know, working through challenging um, tests and um, blood, sweat, tears together. Because when you come through that on the other side, everything's stripped away. All right. All those external characteristics are gone. It comes out, are you a sailor or not? Are you a soldier or not? Are you an airman or not? Are you a Marine or not? All right. And we're focusing so much on these, uh, I'm trying to figure the word, not innate, but these physical characteristics. And not, we're not focusing on the person. Right. Um, <laughs> diversity events. Those are things that always used to kind of irk me. From the perspective of diversity is a good thing. Right? I, I, I'm not saying that, but when we focus on it from the perspective of a particular characteristic and not from the uh, focus of all that makes us different when we bring it together, makes us better as a whole. There it is. Yep. Right? Yep. And that's you know, you know, a guy like you from Louisiana, you know, a guy like me from originally from New England. Or yeah, you know, I've got a really good buddy. Um, he's black. He's 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 from New England. It doesn't matter, right? Uh, we all came together as one. We 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 weathered these trials and tribulations, and on the other side, we are better for it. So you know what I've been saying for the past couple of years. If you want to create unity, don't point out the differences. Send that unit out to sea to do some really hard training, drills and exercises. Send that platoon out to the field to do some really hard field exercises. Because when they come back out of that, they're going to be more unified than ever. Because they overcame obstacles together and they learned what it means to be a team. And that, and that at its core means... You you are as a person are subservient to the unit. Yeah. Right. Until we get back to that mindset of these external characteristics don't matter. It's what's here and what's here that makes all the difference. Yeah. You know, Martin Luther King, you know, talked about character. Yeah. He's spot on. It's oh, all yeah. about the character of a person. Yeah, not the color of their skin, content of their character, right? I, and I, I will say this, David. So I think that, um, I think that the military is probably the best example of how to effectively bring different groups of people oh, yeah. together. Like we do it better than any anybody, right? The American we were, military. We right? were, and I hate to use that term, were the uh, the last true meritocracy. You got to advance on your merits, right? Now you know, there are people out there that want to be victims and want to say, "Well, it's because of this skin color or this, you know, uh, this particular um, uh, oh god, I'm, uh, I'm forgetting words again." Um, when someone uh, speaks in a different language, they have an accent, yeah, a particular accent, or. Yeah. Yeah. Stop thinking about those things. Stop making that a point of of 
divisiveness, but instead make it a point of, hey, when we bring everybody together, we're better for it. Well, yeah, again, I think the military does it extremely well. I think America could take a lesson from how we do things when it comes to that. But the, 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 the thing that irks me is that we have bureaucrats that are imposing their agendas on the military. And quite frankly, it, it you know, like it's affecting our standing with the American public, right? Yeah. Like the most trusted organization, uh, you know, it has been the military for decades, right? And, yeah. and as these bureaucrats impose their agendas on the military, well, the American public's like, well, woke, you know, fucking woke military, they're not going to fucking defend us, right? Like, and, th and like that, that sentiment is growing in the mm -hmm. American public. And it's, it's frightening to somebody like me that's like in it. And I know how capable we, we are, but like, I don't want the American public to think of us as, you know, the, the post Vietnam era military, right? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't want to go there, man. And it feels like, it feels like we're heading that way. And not because of anything we on active duty are doing, but because of the things that that these bureaucrats are imposing. Being pushed them. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, you're 100 percent right, Dean. Um, we've got to get back to the basics. And that goes back to standards, too. Right. And holding people to standards. And uh, that's one of the things I'm hearing from a lot of my buddies nowadays. It's just so hard to enforce standards. Because if people are being told, oh, don't worry about that, or don't worry about uniforms, or don't worry about haircuts, or and or you know, I, you know the uniform board, Oof, don't get me started on that one, right? Um, oh, it's okay, you can have a ponytail, or you can do this. Uniform, if you break down the Latin word, is of one form, right? A one, one, yeah, characteristic. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and I think. Yeah, and they, they, they put they couch it in the perspective of, oh, we want to be uh, the employer of choice. We want people to come to us. They still will. Young Americans come into the military because they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And deep down in, in, their, in their heart, right? Um, people don't enlist to be a screw-up. You know, uh, and you've probably sat at quite a few DRBs. I've sat more than my fair share. You know, that young sailor who... Or, or yeah, who it just is, you know, and you hear their story and they grew up in hard scrabble wherever, rough childhood, you know, they wanted to get away from that. So they joined the military. And what happens? They gravitate right back towards it. There's no accountability, there's no standards, there's no holding people to that. And when you ask that, Sarah, why why are you here? <laughs> You say you you join because you want to be different. You want to make something better yourself. But then I also look at the chief or the yeah. senior chief and say, what have you done to help this sailor? What right. have you done to hold them accountable? And right. not just hold them accountable. There's the follow-up, right? Okay, you screwed up. I'm going to hold you accountable for it, but I'm going to help you get past this. If you're willing, yeah. I'm going to teach you what it takes to become a good sailor. And I think that's where we've lost the ball. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, we got too many chiefs out there, and I'm going to speak in Navy specifically, who are more worried about coins and T-shirts and slogans than they are about being the chief yeah. and leading their sailors. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, like it's, it's, they, they, they want to do the sexy thing, and they don't want to do the work, right? 
You know what I mean? Like you got to do the work. Do the work first, and and then yeah. enjoy enjoy the the you know the, the fruits of your labor. I, mean, I always told I always told selectees when they came you know, from the time I was a, a um uh, becoming a more senior chief, all the way through my command tours. You know when I I sat down with selectees I'll, and I'll tell them I said if you if you do chiefing right, it'll be the toughest job you'll ever love. Hundred percent. I put that in every charge book. I put that in every charge I, book. Like if you're doing it right, it's gonna be the hardest thing you ever do. And there are gonna be days that suck, <laughs> right? Yep. But there's gonna be those moments when you see that one sailor who you made a difference in their life. And uh, one, there's a couple of examples. On the bush, there was one guy I was I was working with, older guy who was from Philly, you know, South Philly, you know, tough area. Um, again, he joined the military to make some of his life. He's a little older, so he, he was already in his mid-20s and he's, he's a seaman in deck division. Right? Uh -huh. Tough, right? Because he's a little older, but he's being treated like an 18-year-old uh, because he's he's an E2, E3, whatever. And he came up to, in front of me twice at DRB. Uh, and the second time he went to MAST. But we were able to work with him. And less than a year later, he was sailed a quarter and became the junior sale of the year. But it took direct, involved leadership, working with a sailor on a regular basis, hey, you can be better than this. You can do more. And, and, and not lowering the bar for him, but raising the bar and saying, hey, I'm going to give you the tools you need to get up here. I'm going to be here for you to help you get there. I'm not going to lower the bar for you, but by God, I'm going to help you get there. And yeah. It's those moments that you go. It's all worth it, right? Absolutely. I, 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 I you know, this sounds cliche, but it's the it's the God's honest truth, right? Like, um, you know, there's there's probably two reasons why I continue to do this, right? One of them obviously is family stability, good honest paycheck, right? Uh, yeah. certainly, certainly patriotism. Uh, I love my country. Like I get emotional thinking about how much I love America. Right. Um, but that's, that's probably why I signed up to serve. Right. But why I continue to do it, especially past 20, knowing that I have plenty of opportunities, uh, outside of this is because of the legacy that I'm leaving in my wake. Right. So the people that I, and my teams have the ability to influence to set on a on a on a path, right? And then to see them in five and ten years from now, and then this deck seaman that used to work for me is now a chief, and now this guy got commissioned, and and to know that some of the the, the things that we're talking about are in them, and that they're continuing to spread it. That's it. Like that's that's, that's why exactly, I keep doing it. That's exactly why I served for so long. Yeah. You know, people will say, yeah, hey, you could have got out at 20, and, you know, I was a master chief at 20. I could have take the money and run. Yeah. But it's, it's not about the money. Yeah, yeah, the Navy provides us a good quality of life. The pay's pretty good when you consider all the benefits and everything that go along with it. But for those of us that continue to serve, it's not about the money. It's about the people we get to work for. Right. And, and what I mean for, I'm not talking about the people above us. Yep, I know. I'm talking about those sailors that were entrusted to lead, mentor, motivate, and develop. 100%, man.
and and, and, and realize that you know, when people ask me if I miss the Navy, I tell them no. But yeah. I miss the sailors. I miss the people I worked with. Yeah. That part I do miss. I, yeah. I I don't miss the politics. I don't miss the 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 the, the mundane bullshit that we're forced to deal with. But I do miss that opportunity to help that young sailor become something more than themselves. Yeah, man, that's it. Yeah, I uh, I listened to a, a podcast. I don't know. You would like it. Uh, it's a guy named Andy Frisella. I don't know if you ever heard of him. No. Uh, yeah, just take a mental note of that one, Andy Frisella. And what he says is, and I, I totally believe it, right, is that personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion, right? Repeat uh, that. Personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion, right? Mm, yeah, I, I, okay, I heard you say that before. Yeah. yeah, I got that from him, and and that is what it is, man. Like, if, yeah. if I can be the best version of myself, and then I can encourage people to also do the, be the best versions of themselves, then maybe we can maybe we can turn this maybe we can turn this bitch around, right? Uh, but I think that's what it's going to take. Yeah. I, I think it, no, it, it, it's not no, getting no, any no, easier because change it, right? It's, it's got to be a grassroots movement to like, yeah. hey man, we all got to do better, right? But unfortunately, we need the top-down support for that, and that's uh, the point that's missing today. Yeah, you know, um, just earlier today, I was texting with an old shipmate of mine. Um, and I don't know the whole details of the story. And as we all know, there's three sides to every story, right? Yep. But here's a LDO lieutenant who went to NJP and was DFC'd for upholding standards. Okay, that 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 that's his story, right? Sure. Yeah. But unfortunately, because of what I've seen and what I experienced, I believe it. Right. You no, know, he was trying to hold people accountable, hold them to a standard. And they said he was creating a toxic work environment and they fired him. This is a very successful sailor. He worked for me before. Um, and when I read that, I was like, what the hell? Right. You know, I, I and I just can't believe that this individual would have truly created a, a quote unquote toxic work environment. But I can certainly believe there's a lot of people that would have worked for him who, and he said, nope, this is the standard. I'm going to hold you to it, complained, and ended his career. <clears throat> and that's the part. That's the, that's To me, that's the scariest part. When leaders are afraid to lead. Yeah. Yeah, it puts us in a bad place, man. It puts us in a real bad place, especially, you know, I've done most of my career out here and so I won't get in, into anything that's not open source, right? But I mean, we all see it's all in the news now. Yeah. But I've been here my whole career and it's nothing new, right? And but I will say that um things like that, right? And 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 all of the the different things that they're making us do um just degrade from our ability to fight our fucking adversaries like can we focus on that please can we please focus on becoming war fighters that know how to sink ships especially when you look at now um i won't use the russians because they're a shit show anyway right but when you look at what the chinese are doing when you look at their forces when you look at it and i'm no fan of the ccp okay <laughs> let's get that straight up front <clears throat> but they are 
<clears throat> excuse me, training their people to fight. They are not worried about stupid bullshit like pronouns. Right? Nope. They are their their kids in schools are learning geometry, trigonometry, you know, calculus. Uh, important things. They're also being indoctrinated, you know, whatever. Right. But that's what we're competing against. And when we're not focused on a tactical advantage and being the best war fighters we can be, yeah, we're losing the ball. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, you've heard me say this before, and you've heard this before. Our job as a military, when you <clears throat> boil it down to brass tacks, is to kill the bad guys and blow their shit up. Right? Yeah, blow shit up and kill people. That's it. <laughs> That's what the, the, the military is here for, right? We're a, we're a tactical and strategic deterrence to tell the other people who want to screw us up to say, you don't want to mess with us. But when we're worried about, like, you know, whether or not he's a she or she's or he or, you know, you know oh, we got to have all these diversity events and whatever, we're losing the ball. We've lost sight yeah. of what's important. Yo, brilliant on the basics. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> Remember that? What happened to that? Right. We're not focused on that anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom, man. I mean, you know, that. Uh, trust me. I just left. I just left with Campbell before I came to Masala, and we've got deployable units up here doing God's work, and. Um, and so, you know, here I am as an installation guy, and I've got time to think about these things. Um, because I'm not doing Taiwan Straits transits. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've got there, done it, brother. We got there. We got folks out there doing God's work, right? But it just, um, I don't know, man. It's again, it's not all doom and gloom. But like when you see the, you know, the, um, you know, the 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 the, the trans female admiral, it just <laughs> don't get me started that way. Oh, it's like fuck, man. No, uh, but, uh, no, you're absolutely right. We got a lot of great young Americans out there, and uh, in the community I served in when I retired, you know, the information warfare community, <clears throat> I traveled all over the world yeah. meeting these young Americans who are doing some really cool things behind very thick doors and yep. high security, and it's eye-watering what they do and what their capabilities are. Right. We need to focus on that. Right. And we need to keep them focused on that. Right, because um, who was the fleet admiral when we were out in Hawaii? A great guy, big mustache. Um, uh, admiral Swift. Yeah, I think it was him that I, I heard him say, um, "You know, the if if the shit goes down, the balloon goes up today. Right, we may get kicked in the teeth." And kicked in the junk a couple of times too. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're going to be victorious. And the reason for that is the American service member. Because when you look at these other services, China, Russia are our, our, our biggest competitors. They're all conscripts. Right. Yeah. Uh, they, they, there's no autonomy there, there's no lower level leadership. Uh, but when you look at our sailors and what they do, that young airman on the flight deck or that that um, 
soldier uh, E4, E5, running a, a team out in the field, things like that. They're doing it, and they know, and they're doing it well. Yeah, you got to focus on that and give them the tools they need, because that is going to carry the day. It's yep. that young American who is you know, raised their right hand to say, "I will." Who, who's going to win the day? And that's what we have to give the tools to. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I, yeah, because I just noticed that people might be seeing this. I got to show the rest of the shirt. Yeah, please do, please do. Yeah, because okay. uh, it, it, it it makes a little more difference when you see the rest of it. And there you it is. Got it? Okay, good. <laughs> I love so, it, dude. I, I I don't want people thinking the wrong thing about me because um yeah, <laughs> not a fan. Not a not a big fan of the former VP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, dude. And I can say that because I'm retired. I know, man. I know, and I'll, I'm happy to have <laughs> you say it on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So, uh, David, I, I do want to go ahead and wind it up. We're a couple hours in. Um, yes, sir. Which is awesome, man. Uh, I've had a fantastic time talking to you, man. Let's let's uh, let's do it again. Let's do it more often. Um, Absolutely, brother. Even if it's just us chatting, not even recording anything. Yeah. Brother, I miss you. I, I, I miss having time with you and uh, just chewing the fat with you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when we were in Hawaii together, those, those are great times. Um, I, um, I love you, bro. Yeah. So um, anytime, I'm, I'm glad to come online with you or just, you know, I'm typically out here on a Friday evening with a cigar and a, and a whiskey. So let's you know, go ahead and connect anyways. But um, I really enjoy chatting with you. And more importantly, I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on uh, with you on your podcast. And um, I wish you all the success, bro. Thank you, bro. I, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, feelings mutual. Uh, I, I love you, man. I, I say that like unabashedly. Like I love you. I respect you. And I appreciate uh, everything that you've done for, for me and my family and my career. and. Uh, just being a, a really great role model for me, man. So um, just really proud to know you, man. So thank you.